from Seattle, Washington. I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a VinePair podcast next round conversation. We're bringing you these conversations in between our regular podcast episodes in order to focus on a range of issues and stories in the drinks world. So today I'm speaking with Ali Schmidt. She's the co-founder of Zuzu, which is a new line of ready-to-drink sparkling cocktails. Ali, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. And, I, and I'll be honest at the get-go. I have not yet tried Zuzu. Uh, you oh, are, no. <laughs> you guys are based in New York, from what I understand, and yes. uh, me out here in the hinterlands in Seattle, uh, not quite mm-hmm. not quite on your distribution route. But, uh, but I will say <laughs> that the Vinepair Slack has been uh, hot and heavy with some people expressing their love for the for the drink. So that's part of kind of how this all came to be. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the, that is yeah. Uh, that is not me just uh, blowing smoke. So that's great. Uh, That's great. Love yeah. to hear it. <laughs> so let's start briefly with uh, a sort of an understanding of what Zuzu is and maybe a little bit too in there, kind of how it came to be. Yeah, of course. So the long and short of it is that Zuzu, like you were saying, is a sparkling cocktail. It's a light cocktail, 5% alcohol by volume, and it's made with a 100% agave spirit, some fresh citrus juice, and some sparkling water. So it's really simple of the philosophy that less is more delicious with really high quality ingredients. And Greta and I started this company, you know, about a year and a half ago now. So so quite a while ago. And as and I'm so happy to hear that you like the flavors and that your team likes it because we probably went through like 40 iterations of both flavors because we're so obsessed with mm-hmm. taste and quality uh, that that it's like it's so thrilling to hear that. So I think that's part of why you know it took us so long to get this thing out onto shelves. So let's maybe get into that a little bit about kind of how you came to the to the formulation or the recipe. So, you know, one of the things I think that's that's interesting to me about these is that they're not, you know, we've seen a lot of things in the RTD cocktail space that are, here's a canned X or here's a bottled Y, right? Sure. A drink that yeah. people are familiar with. And this is... I mean, I'm sure there's a cocktail nerd out there who can tell me exactly what this cocktail is. Um, I mean, I'm a former bartender, so I'm reasonably yeah. familiar. But it right. feels like that you're kind of looking at like, we wanted to make something that was like a sparkling margarita, but not really. And like, what was, was there a drink in your, in Greta's eye that like you were trying to create or recreate? Or was this like, we, we think these flavors work, but we're going to, we're going to make something new. Well, we started this whole thing by just making this drink for ourselves. So when Greta and, Greta and I have known each other for the better part of 20 years, and we were actually both in the food world before we started Zuzu, she you know, worked in California with Alice Waters at the Edible Schoolyard. I worked, well, I went to cooking school in Ireland of all places and then worked as a chef for, for two years in London. So food and really good food has always been super important to us. And so when we started creating Zuzu, we at first thought it was going to be some sort of a food object. We just knew we wanted to start a company together. And I mean, we looked at the breakfast space. We looked at like healthy candy as if that's even a thing. (laughs) And, you know, I think in our darkest hour, we were looking in the cracker market and we were making like trying to make Cheez-Its in Greta's kitchen out of sweet potatoes and nutritional yeast, which um, I can say those were definitely our darkest days. And so (laughs) in those like most harrowing trials of crackers, we started making ourselves what eventually became Zuzu. And for us, the flavor profile was always driven by what was seasonal. So either, you know, of course, like limes are never seasonal in New York, but everything had a little bit of touch of citrus to it, which I think is a real signature of the Zuzu flavor profile, always a little bit tart, rather tart than super sweet. Because like, as you were saying before, I think the problem with margaritas is everyone's had that sugary, deathly hangover the next day. Um, And we, you know, would experiment with fun things, like whether it was 
you know, plums or whether it was persimmons or different kinds of grapefruit. So that's really how we started thinking about our flavors. And when we first, so we would just make it for ourselves, basically. Uh, And one day we were like, this is amazing. And we want to be drinking this every day and we need to turn it into a product. And the question was like, how do you go about doing that? And that was all very new to us and kind of exciting. And we started working with um, someone who was a former chef and formulator here in New York. And we were like, okay, let's blow, let's, let's go wide. Let's like figure out what are the best flavors. Like we know we want something with a lime profile. We are both super freaks for passion fruit. I don't know if you feel this way about passion fruit, but either you're a passion fruit freak or you're not. (laughs) And we fell in that realm. And, And those were just the two that, we came out as the most delicious, I think, because we come from a background in food. We only ever want to put out flavors that are what we consider to be like very well balanced and um, perfect. And so maybe a little more about kind of that process of, of searching for, for sourcing for the ingredients, because I think, you know, something that is clear in the way that you guys have positioned Zuzu and, and you know, some of the press materials and whatnot, you know, there's a lot of talk um, about transparency and sourcing. And so obviously, you know, those things don't appear in a press release for no reason. They're, they're obviously important yeah. to you and to Greta. So can you talk a little bit about how both maybe philosophically what that means and also kind of practically what you did? Of course, of course. So transparency to us is pretty simple. It goes back to this quality that less is more delicious. When we started sourcing our passion fruit, for example, you would be amazed. It's like the juices that we were finding were either bulked out with other kinds of juices. So it wasn't just passion fruit. It was like they would sneak in some apple juice and some pear juice in there to bulk it out, or it had cane sugar in there to act as a preservative. So everything we did in our sourcing was to make sure that if we were going to use passion fruit, it was just the stuff itself. It wasn't anything else. And that means we had a, we had to use a passion fruit puree, which separates in our drink, but we think it's worth it because it is the real true thing. Of course, it means that our raw ingredient is frozen, which logistically is more complicated and is more expensive, but those are exactly the kinds of corners that we're unwilling to cut because at the end of the day, you try our passion fruit product and it actually tastes like passion fruit, not just like a weird derivative of the thing itself mm-hmm. because it is the real stuff. So I think it's a commitment to always be sourcing the sort of wholest versions of whatever ingredients we're using. So speaking about, you know, kind of ingredients and, and transparency, you know, one thing that's interesting to me about Zuzu is that, you know, you guys are using agave spirit as sort of the alcohol in the in the cocktails. And for a lot of our listeners, I think the distinction between agave spirit and tequila might be not something they're familiar with. My understanding is we're talking about something that's much more of a a technical and legalistic distinction as opposed to a a flavor distinction that would be like noticeable to the drinker. So can you kind of explain what the difference there is? Yeah, that's exactly right. The taste will be pretty much the same. All that we're doing with a 100% agave spirit is distilling it in the U.S. So we're buying our plants from Mexico. Our distiller that we work with here in the U.S. has a direct relationship with a multi-generational organic family farm 20 minutes outside of Jalisco. And because we're distilling it in the U.S. rather than in Mexico in the sort of five regions where tequila has its denomination, we cannot call it tequila. We can just call it an agave spirit. And, and that's what that's what we're doing. Yeah. Gotcha. And so is that more just about, I mean, I I guess I would wonder, you know, kind of sourcing tequila. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast in a a variety of different ways. And there's, there's, you know, it's a very complicated issue that I don't really intend to get into in in any great depth here. But is is it more about just kind of being able to, to make sure that you kind of you have a, a clear line of, 
I don't know, a, 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 a source, I suppose, that you know and, and understand. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Like, I think the important thing to note is we're so small right now that we have very little buying power. And so what feels good to us is to be able to have, you know, a super pure product and know that our dollars are being spent directly at this one farm in Mexico. I think we're super interested in expanding and looking into other sources for tequila as we grow and gain some more buying power. You know, the other thing is that tequila needs to be 100% pure tequila needs to be bottled in Mexico. So we would be looking at a situation where we'd be buying bottles from Mexico, importing them into the U.S. just to dump it out here and put it into another bottle and call it Zuzu. And that felt like a lot of waste for us. So this just felt like the best way at our scale to get a really pure product. And I'm wondering too, you know, back in your sort of dark days, you described with <laughs> yeah. sweet potatoes and nutritional yeast, was tequila yeah. always the the spirit of choice? How did that kind of become something that you and Greta gravitated towards? Yeah, it, it has always been the spirit of choice for us. I think the flavor of it is so great. It's a little bit sweet, but it's also the healthiest of them. It has the fewest calories. And we sort of anecdotally looked around and all of our friends Suddenly, it was like everybody was drinking tequila sodas. Yeah. And so I think it, it came from a place of the flavor itself and then um, the quality of, of tequila. And, and and it felt sort of like healthier than other options out on the market. And and I'm wondering, too, you know, you mentioned sort of the the fact that Zuzu is a you know 5% alcohol, which is, you know, I don't know, you know, kind of positioning it. Uh, it's obviously not no alcohol. Uh, yeah. but it definitely fits into this broader sort of low alcohol yeah. um, range of drinks. And I'm wondering, was, was there a, I, and I, I think there's not a, this isn't a question with the right or wrong answer. I'm just curious, you know, was it more about getting to that, that number because that's sort of what gave you the, the sort of health profile that you were looking for? Or was mm. it, hey, we just think at this point, this is where, you know, if we blind tasted, you know, 15 different formulations ranging in alcohol from three to 20% or whatever, you know, pick numbers, whatever you want. This is the one that we think tasted the best or like kind of, you know, that decision yeah. is something that you're making consciously in some sense. How did you kind of make that decision? Yeah, you know, we tested all different ranges of ABV and you're right, 3%. It was like, do we even feel it? And 7% and suddenly you'd have one and you'd start to feel, you'd have two and suddenly you'd feel really drunk. And that's not something that we wanted. We want Zuzu to feel like a really nice way to take the edge off, something that you can have on a weeknight, either alone or at a nice dinner party with your friends if we're ever able to do that again, <laughs> fingers crossed. You know? um, so it's just the right amount to sort of, you know, make you feel good and take that edge off, uh, but also low enough that, you know, you, you wake up and you don't feel like garbage the next day and, and your liver has time to process the amount of alcohol. So I think that sort of sessionable aspect of it was really important for us. Gotcha. And so on that note, you know, one thing that's in the press release you guys sent out, which I, which I find, let's say I, you're, I'm, you're going to have to convince me of something, which is sort of that the, that Zuzu is described as kind of a hangover proof drinking experience. And, and <laughs> yeah, I understand that, that to right. some extent you don't mean <laughs> if someone drank 20 of them, there would be no repercussions. Obviously, you know, anyone who can, can think critically doesn't really think that's true, but, but I guess I'm wondering like kind of what does that mean? And, and also as someone who is in his now sadly late thirties and ever more aware of how much hangover suck, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. why is that in particular such a selling point? Cause I guess what I mean is I think there are certain drinks that are targeted at certain demographics that are like, we don't, you, we know you're not going to care. 
<laughs> like mm-hmm. you probably you, the next morning is not your consideration. Obviously, that's not kind of what you're targeting here. So, so maybe also if you can talk about kind of what you who, who you envision. Obviously, you'd love everyone to drink this, but but when you're you know kind of thinking about the person who is hangover conscious, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, not, or alternatively yeah. not unconscious. Um, yeah. yeah, right. Who is that? Right. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, let me just say that it's definitely not hanger proof. I mean, you, you drink 10 Zuzus, you will likely feel hungover the next day because alcohol is alcohol. It's ultimately an ethanol, right? So what we're doing is trying to create the conditions of minimal hangovers, which gets back to our sort of fundamental thesis that I spoke about before that, you know, less ingredients is better. Um, I think for us, what's important here is that there are no synthetic sweeteners or no artificial preservatives or no other additives that that will make you feel hungover or accelerate accelerate your hangover it's just exactly what it says that it is and i think that our customers care about that because you know she is a person who cares about what goes into her product she's the person who looks at her nutritional lists you know at the supermarket and she's the kind of professional person that wakes up the next day and does feel like she needs to get to work, you know, and doesn't have time to be super hungover in the morning. I keep saying she, but you know, my brother, for example, is probably Zuzu's number one fan. So let that be known. And I'm wondering, you know, on that kind of note, I guess I have two, two kind of two questions that I want to get to, and they're kind of going different directions. So I apologize. The first one though is, you know, um, when you are working without preservatives and you're working without sort of um, all those things, is there is there kind of a discernible shelf life for this? Like like is it is that a consideration? Obviously, you know, alcohol helps and uh, even carbonation helps to some extent. But is that is yeah. that something you know? There's there's actual fruit, obviously, at least in in well in both of these, and, and not just citrus. Like like what is the shelf life on these? Yeah, it's a great question. Thank you for asking because I spent about a year in R and D trying to figure out this question, and the shelf life is twelve months on this, and. Okay. That's pretty remarkable because there are so few ingredients in it. I can't tell you how many times along the way people push you to do what is the status quo, which is add potassium sorbate, which is a, you know a preservative. Or there's this product called Velcrin. Oh, I'm, I'm you, a wine like, you, person. You, you, okay, I'm yeah, you get it. You literally have to wear a hazmat suit to touch it. You know? yeah. People are like, just put some Velcrin in it. You know, so the so what we do at Zuzu, and it's it's low enough in alcohol that actually the alcohol doesn't kill off all of the bacteria. And we do have, you know, six or 7% of the, the quantity of it is juice. And that's why it tastes so good. And that means that we pasteurize our product. So we heat it to a certain, for a certain time and at a certain temperature in once it's been in bottles and that kills the bacteria. And, you know, I think part of the reason why it took us so long to get Zuzu out onto the market was finding the right person that could manufacture this for us that we really trusted and cared about the quality of our ingredients because we were unwilling to just throw these preservatives into it. Gotcha. And then my other question is, you know, you mentioned that obviously a guiding light, I suppose, for you and Greta in designing these was, you know, citrus and and tartness. And and I would imagine, like I said, haven't tried them, but but I would imagine that both the calamansi lime and passion fruit bring a lot of that. Is there another either specific flavor or or alternatively are you thinking, okay, well, you know, two flavors is great but presumably the intention is not to stop there like what what are the what are the other dimensions you're you're looking at yeah we definitely want to create more flavors i think we at this point are learning so much now that zuzu is in the market about what people like 
interestingly, Lyme is the sort of gateway drug and then passion fruit like slowly creeps up on people so that they start spinning about which one they like more. It's kind of fun for me to watch. But our our goal right now is, you know, we are sort of developing a couple of other flavors, but we really want to hear from our customers. We want to hear from people that are Zuzu drinkers that uh, are like, I love sour cherries. Like, can you please make a sour cherry one? Or like grapefruit is the only spindrift that I drink. And that's what I need you guys to create next. So I think we're just trying to get as much feedback as we can from our customers and listen to what they want um, and produce it. Very cool. And last of all, for people who are interested, what what's the step for them to take to track down Zuzu? Well, if you're in New York State, you can go onto our website, drinkzuzu.com, and you can have Zuzu currently delivered straight to your door, or you can get it delivered through our local marketplace, which is also on our website. Uh, and there's also a list of stockists there, so you can go actually in-store and buy it in person. Um, I will also say that we should have national shipping in the next month or so. So you in the hinterlands of, <laughs> of Seattle can get Zuzu delivered straight to your door, which we're really excited about because there are a bunch of people out in the country that are asking for it now, which we're very, very, very thankful for. Awesome. Well, Ali, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. I do look forward to giving the product a try one of these days. Uh, yes, when me the, too. Uh, you know, when the covered wagons make it all the way out here to, to the West Coast. <laughs> the wild West, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And best of luck uh, with, uh, with Zuzu going forward. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.